You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Broncos Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver, hosted by myself, George Stoy, and my good friend, Nick Ferguson. Nick, what's going on, man? Hey, man, it's a great day to be alive. It's a great day to be alive. Yes. Um, I love that song. Uh, it's a great day to be alive. <laughs> you I don't... Wait, a wait a minute, wait a minute. That that sounds like uh, Travis Trent right there. Like you gave me the Travis Trent voice. Yeah, I mean, I... Is that who sings it? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know how I it. But I but the voice and how you set that up, I was like, man, that sounds like Travis Trent. Yeah, I don't know. I I just like that song. I've been on kind of a country kick really since Nashville. I went, you know, when I went to Nashville, I went and listened to some live music. So now ever since then, I've, you know, fallen in love with some uh, some old school country music. But uh, um, anyways, Nick, good intro, good intro to the podcast there talking about. Old school country music. We got a lot to get to today, Nick. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs coming up this week. Uh, and, and and but one thing I wanted to lead with, though, Nick, is I know you were at practice yesterday. I was too. We ended up talking to the same guys uh, in the locker room, and uh, I think we got kind of the same answers too. But uh, we both ended up talking to Josie Jewel and Alex Singleton, and you and I had talked about him about both of them. I think after the post game podcast. Uh, and just talking about how well they've played. And uh, that's kind of the story I'm writing this week for the Denver Gazette is just kind of that duo uh, and why they fit so well together. And so I, I want to hear what you heard from those two guys. I know for me, talking to them, um, it just seems kind of like they got like this bromance going on, Nick. I don't know what it is about those two guys, but they're playing high-level football right now. I mean, you could argue they're playing some of the best football on the team. Uh, Josie Jewell talked about how this is the most fun he's had playing uh and that's because of guys like Alex but also Ajiro Evero letting those guys kind of play free at that inside linebacker spot what was kind of your takeaway from your conversation with those two guys yeah I mean these guys really like one another uh it's kind of the uh when you if you go back and watch that movie Step Brothers remember when the guys finally uh, realized hey they have something in common and uh they start to kind of come together Catalina Wine Mixer uh, comes to mind, but yeah, these two guys really like one another and they play well off of each other. And you, you mentioned bromance and, that, and to me, that's exactly what they have because when you go in the locker room, they're always smiling and, and you're thinking based on what you've seen from this team thus far, everyone should be down in the depths and especially those two guys, but no, it's a, it's a total opposite. So I, I love the enthusiasm that they still have for this game. And, and for me, that's the thing that allows them to go out there and play with one another, George. It's the fact 
that uh, the, the love of the game. And when you look at both players and you say, okay, well, around the league, they're not viewed as being uh, top tier linebackers, you know, independently of one another, but collectively, you know, one guy, you know, got Josie Jewell and Alexander Sing- Alex Singleton, they're playing well together. And it's, reading off one another i had a, you know you i think you might have been standing there when i was talking to uh singleton and i was asking him yo why is it that you are able to anticipate uh run fit the way that you are and he told a story about you know being a kid and being coached by his dad and his dad having a door and not being able to see behind the door but the idea was okay you got to get around the door to be in a solid place where you can actually make a tackle. And uh, and from his explanation, that's how he views every single tackle. Almost like backyard football when he was with he was uh, with his father and his father bringing, the, bringing this door out, which is probably one of the craziest things I've ever heard, but it is helping him. But whatever it is, whatever they continue to do, sitting down with one another side by side in the lunch hall or even in that linebacker room, whatever they're doing is working. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You you, you give that story of, of Singleton and his dad. I, I think that what that speaks to is these guys are just good football players, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think of, you know, when you talk about like even college football or, or high school kids, right? Uh, you think of kids that, you know, are five stars. They're the top athletes. Everybody wants them. Uh, but you also need on your football team, Nick, and you know this, you just need solid, good football players. They may not be the most athletically gifted. They may not be. Uh, you know, the five-star kid coming out of high school. Uh, I mean, you look at Josie Jewell, played at Iowa. I don't think he was highly recruited, but became a really solid player at Iowa, gets drafted. And then you look at Alex Singleton's story, plays at Montana State in college. I mean, really was not recruited at all. Plays in the CFL for a few years, works his way up. And then all he's done in the NFL is lead every team he's been at in tackles. I mean, you look at his last two years at the Eagles, led the team in tackles. He comes to Denver. Everybody's like, oh, he's just a he's a special teams guy. He's going to be, you know, a depth guy. And all of a sudden he's leading the team in tackles with 107 this year. I mean, he's on pace to have a career year and he's had some really good years in previous seasons. So I I think that that's what makes him so good is is sure they're not the guys. They're not Roquan Smith. Right. Who we just saw this last week, who can go sideline to sideline with anybody uh, in the league. But they're just really smart instinctual good football players and you need guys like that on your team the one thing I wanted to ask you though Nick is because they both talked about uh, a zero Evero and the defense that they're playing in and what what has allowed them to be so successful is him Uh, what is it about the scheme they're running and those sorts of things that is allowing them to play so freely because we've seen Josie Jewell before and he's been a a nice player right but he's on a different level this year and I, I know some of that's just him getting better more comfortable I believe he's in what his fourth, fifth year now in the league, but it sounds like it's also a result of what what they're running defensively. Yeah, I mean, the one thing in the NFL, uh, no matter whether you're considered a top tier player or a kind of fringe player just trying to uh, make your way in the league, it, it's all about fit. And if you go back to that Rams defense that won a Super Bowl uh, a year ago, you look at how. Uh, they kept their linebackers clean. That was based on what they did up front with their D-line. That's why it was so important to see Draymond Jones take that next step. That's why it was so important to bring DJ Jones here as as well because the idea is knowing what you have at the linebacker position. These two guys, Alex Singleton and Josie Jill, what, what, 
what they what they remind me of, uh, you know, the blue collar attitude. Right. And this is why, you know, the Broncos uh, fans should get behind this defense. Once again, this team, I know is struggling, but I mean, get behind these two players, because to me, they, they personify uh, that blue collar attitude. And we know everyone wants to be a CEO of a company that may not ever happen. But when I look at these two guys, man, you know, they may not be the CEOs, but they are the guys that are in that boardroom pounding that table to getting everyone else in that company to kind of move forward and move ahead. And that's just why I, I feel as though this defense, you know, goes as well as those two guys go. If they're having a bad day, that means everything else is going to fall apart. But that tells you about Jiro Evero and how he set things up from the very beginning when he got here. And he said, listen, I want to build out this defense because I know what we don't have. And that's not kind of a slight to those two players, but how can I set them up to do their job well? And no, when you look at these guys, they're not your, your 265 pound linebackers. And even, even I, I don't think that those types of linebackers will be successful in today's game, but they, they, for who they are, they do a great job of going out there and making plays and they're going to be needed this week against the Kansas city chiefs because the chiefs can spread you out. You need smart guys who can line up. They know how the team is trying to attack them, but also they can get down here and make tackles. So those two guys are going to be the key cogs for this Broncos uh, game on Sunday. If they want to stay in the game and hope to win it as well. Yeah, and I know we're going to dive into some of the Chiefs here in a minute, especially Travis Kelsey and, and those two guys. Um, you know, I don't know if they'll be matched up necessarily one-on-one -on -one with Travis Kelsey, but they're going to be around him a lot, uh, and, and their job's going to be trying to slow him down. So going to be interesting to see how they attack that. One thing I wanted to talk to, Nick, about what, what they kind of said to us, Nick, is they are having fun, and you mentioned that. Uh, and I think that that's – you know, look – no one's happy, right? I don't want I don't want that to be a misconception that anybody in that locker room is happy about losing games. Uh, but what can it do for a locker room, Nick, that obviously the season hasn't gone its way, but when you have guys playing at a high level, uh, you've also got guys, you know, Alex Singleton, he's on a one-year deal. I mean, he's got a lot to play for these last five games, right? If he keeps playing the way he is, he's probably going to secure himself uh, an extended contract, maybe come back. I know I, I asked him about that yesterday, and he said, yeah, I want to be back in Denver. Uh, they've given me an opportunity not a lot of teams have. I'd love to be back here, play with Josie again, you know, next season and maybe beyond. You know, when you have the, the, the having fun attitude and also, hey, we still got a lot to play for individually as well these last five games, what can that do for maybe a locker room that I know isn't winning right now, uh, but uh, can that be a positive thing, I guess, in the last five games? Yeah, it can definitely be a positive uh, because, once again, when things are not going well in your life, right, and, and we're talking about a spectator sport where everyone has a phone and everyone is an analyst and a critic and you get it real time. You know, sometimes the idea is to become down on yourself, right, to, to be upset, to yell. And I know that some of what our, our local counterparts here in the media want and the fans want that as well. They want to see that raw emotion from players, but sometimes emotion that you need to show in this situation, George, is just being happy, being happy that you have the ability to play in the NFL. No, things are not going well. And I'm not saying that guys are just running around the locker room high-fiving, but when you are struggling, the last thing you want to do is just feel sorry for yourself. If you do that, one, you can't go out there and do your job. And two, you or someone else runs the risk of getting injured. 
So watching those guys just, you know, attack practice, always happy, right? In this particular situation, to me, you always have a chance. And this is why, even with the offensive struggles this season, George, we've seen this defense consistently play well because they understand, I, I guess, the pressure that they on, uh, they're under as a team standpoint, but also from a defensive standpoint. And when you're staring at odds like that, man, you have to at least smile because you have to say, man, this is crazy. This is fun, funny that we constantly find ourselves in this situation, but we have to take this kind of lighthearted approach if we want to go out there and do our and do our job and actually do it to a level where we give ourselves an opportunity to win these football games. And that's something that they have done. Yeah, you know, I, I just again I, I think it's a it's a good attitude to have right now. Those guys are obviously clicking. Um I, I also wanted to ask you too, Nick. You know, you obviously played a long time in the league and at that safety position. It seems like when the inside linebackers and and correct me if I'm wrong, but when they're playing well uh, and their communication is really good, which is what, again, they talked about yesterday. And I talked to a few other guys in the locker room yesterday about that. It kind of spreads throughout the defense, right? Like like the defensive line is playing better because of it. Uh, You've got the I mean, I don't know about the corners. I guess they're kind of on an island on their own sometimes, but. The safeties are playing better. Like they're they're the heart of that defense, right? I mean, can you kind of speak to that of like when those guys are are clicking, kind of the whole defense clicks, right? Well, yeah, that's why those guys have that green dot on their helmet, uh, George. They they're uh, uh, looked at as being the signal calls and the leaders of the defense. You look around the other thirty one teams in the NFL, you'll see pretty much the same thing. If the linebackers are playing well, that means guess what? You don't have to add a safety down in the box to help out with the run. Now that guy can roam around and be an extra defender in in the passing game uh, as well. So those linebackers are are really important. And for me, when I played with the Denver Broncos, I played with some some good linebackers, Al Wilson and John Mobley. And then after Mobley was injured, then it was Al Wilson and Ian Gohn and DJ Williams. And it was great to kind of watch those guys in front of you run around and make tackles. And when, when they're playing well, now, as a safety, you can come up and you can clean up every single thing. We've seen Kareem Jackson uh, come in and just kind of like smash a guy and do his pad and, you know, you know, like he's a credible Hulk type of flexing. But when you're only able to do that when those linebackers are making things easier for you. And like I said before, when we've seen this linebacker core maybe against Brees Hall that one time against the Jets, that was a problem. When we saw them against Josh Jacobs and Jacobs was just running mad against his Broncos defense, then that made it bad for the guys in the back end because that means that 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 running back was down in your chest and that's 12 to 14 yards uh, deep down the field. So it, it proved to be problematic when your linebackers are not playing well. But we've seen both Singleton and Jewel play exceptionally well and play off of one another. If they continue to do that, heading into Sunday, it makes it easy for Azura Evero because, like I said, now you can dedicate another safety to try to take away those crossing routes, which the Broncos will see against Kansas City. Who do you think uh, wins the battle for most tackles this season, Nick, Alex or or Josie? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Alex, right? Because here's the great thing about playing alongside of another guy who's as, uh, as aggressive as you and playing on that second level. Sometimes he allows you to make those tackles because he eats up the blocks and you just play off of him. I mean, that's something I talked to Singleton about. And that's one thing he said he learned from his dad and and coming up as a kid 
hey, have an ability to anticipate, know where the offense is going to go and how they're trying to attack, and then let everyone else get there first, and then you just flow, and you now you're the free hitter. So I'm going to go with Alex Singleton. What do you think? Well, I mean, Alex is way ahead right now, um, and it's because he's played, uh, obviously, more games. He's played in uh, 12 games, uh, so he's played in every game. I uh, started eight of them. Josie's played in eight. Obviously, he's been a little banged up. Josie's at 85 right now, uh, and Alex is at 107. And both both would are, are if they stay healthy the rest of the year, both are probably going to surpass their previous uh, career totals. I, I believe Josie's is, let me see here, I'm looking, uh, 113 in 2020. I think Josie will get to that number uh, in the last five games. And then you look at uh, Alex Singleton. He had 137 last year for the Eagles. So uh, he's on pace, you know, to, to probably reach that. Uh, so you're talking about career years for these guys. I mean, that's, that's impressive and, and hats off to them again, been a tough season for the Broncos, but those are two guys that I think deserve to be highlighted, especially considering, I mean, you and I talked about it, Nick, that was a position. A lot of people didn't think was honestly very good yeah. coming into the season. Uh, a lot of people were down on, on that position and, and those two guys have, have rose to the occasion. So, uh, good on them. Nick, we have a lot to get to uh, about the Chiefs. Uh, we talked a little bit about Kelsey there. We're going to dive into a little bit more of that after we take a quick break uh, right here. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. Uh, and Nick, we, we said his name quite a bit in the first segment there, uh, but the Broncos are going to have their, their hands full uh, this weekend with tight end Travis Kelsey. Obviously, you know, Patrick Mahomes uh, is the guy everybody looks at when you talk about this Chiefs offense, and rightfully so, but... His, his top target, Travis Kelsey, uh, again, has been a huge threat this year. I, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I believe he's, he's having sort of a career year. It feels like every time I turn the Chiefs on, it's like, oh, and Travis Kelsey catches his second or third touchdown pass of the game. Uh, and it's like, this dude's a monster. And I think part of it is obviously his athletic ability, what he's able to do physically. But they also scheme a lot to get him the ball in certain situations either down the field, short distance, and then he just makes plays. What is it about him, Nick? And, and we'll get to uh, some audio here from from Justin Simmons about defending him, but what is it when you watch Travis Kelsey that makes him so effective in their offense? Well, because he, he's a crafty tight end. Now, now, when you look at him on tape, he's not one of these guys that's going to blow you away because 
he just has exceptional speed. No, that's not his game. His game is uh, finding a soft spot in, in his own. And it almost seemed as though, you know, his his working relationship with with uh, Patrick Mahomes has only grown because he seems as though he runs a lot of options route, option routes. What I mean by that, he runs wherever the defender isn't, right? And Patrick Mahomes either is staying in the pocket or he's getting on the move and he's going to find him. Now, you go back to the Cincinnati game they played last week, Travis Kelsey didn't score a touchdown. Uh, and I would say that he was kind of under his season average because I think he only had like 56 yards uh, receiving. But that just shows you the level of talent that the Kansas City Chiefs has as a team. But Travis Kelsey is a guy that you have to be physical with at the line of scrimmage. Now, I'll say this. As good as Travis Kelsey is, you don't want to just uh, put all your focus just on stopping him. Once again, the Chiefs have a lot of weapons, but the idea is to be physical with Travis Kelsey at the line of scrimmage and be able to defend not that first move, but the second move as well. Yeah. I, also, I looked up his stats here, Nick. I was right. He is having a career year. He has 12 touchdowns, which is a career high, and there's still five games left, uh, 986 receiving yards, and he's which would put him on pace to have his best year uh, in terms of receiving as well. So uh, obviously having a big year. He also had, Nick, listen, as he had four touchdowns against the Raiders earlier this year, three against the Chargers. So he's performing really well against the AFC West too. Uh, and he's given the Broncos some some problems too. But surprisingly, also the Broncos last few years have actually been one of the better teams defensively uh, against against the Chiefs. And that's probably, you know, Vic Fangio, I know, schemed up some stuff. But here's what Justin Simmons, who has obviously faced uh, this Chiefs team and this Chiefs offense every year of his career, obviously hasn't beaten him when we talk about the 13-game losing streak. Uh, but here's what he had to say about Travis Kelsey defending him. I remember a couple years ago, Nick, I believe they just said Justin Simmons, you're going to guard Kelsey, uh, you know, throughout most of the game. Uh, so here's here's Simmons talking about it on DenverBroncos.com uh, and how they're going to maybe approach defending him this year. Yeah, yeah. No, he's a, uh, I mean, a one-of-one one talent. Uh, I think, I, asking my opinion, I think the things that he does best, um, almost better than any other tight end or receiver, you know, for, for that matter, is uh, he's he's so knowledgeable of the defenses that he's going up against, man, zone. Um, obviously, man, you know, he's able to win the one-on-one -on -one matchups most of the time. But even in the zones, like, he's able to always find the soft spot of the zones and, like, finagle, if I could say, uh, his way his way through. And, uh, find, like I said, find the open spots. He knows exactly where to be. And I think, uh, you know, it obviously helps having a quarterback like Mahomes. And they... They have such a rapport over the years of, of repping it and repping it, and um, they just have like a really good sync, uh, you know, to them. Nick, uh, he obviously said a lot of things that you just said. Uh, interesting that you guys were, you know, you were a safety in the NFL. Um, no coincidence there, uh, right? But uh, if, if you're Justin Simmons or even Everett, let me, let me put you – I like to put you in, in people's shoes all the time, Nick. Let me put you in their shoes this okay. week. How are how are you attacking Travis Kelsey? How are you uh, trying to defend him? Are you saying, Justin, he's your guy for the game? Or I mean, I I don't like that approach necessarily. Uh, are you saying Alex Singleton? You're gonna you know what? Are you gonna drop in zone? Like 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 Justin said, it, it's tough, right? Because you match up with him one on one, and he's gonna beat you ninety percent of the time, right? Uh, you put him in you know zone, he's gonna find the soft spot. 
So how are you, do you mix it up? How, do, how, how are you approaching it uh, with Kelsey? I mean, you definitely have to uh, mix it up. You can't just kind of be dedicated to playing more zone or playing more man. You just have to mix it up. You have to make both Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes think on the run. I, I know that that sounds easy, but you have to constantly do it. If you know that you're going to play zone coverage, you line up or you walk up to the line of scrimmage like you're going to play man. So he's thinking right away, okay, well, what's my route and how I beat and convert my route off of man coverage? And you just back up. All you need is a half a second, right? Because all you're trying to do is make Patrick Mahomes hold on to the ball, right? Because you're hoping that if you're able to do that, now the pressure is able to get into his face. But a sitting back allowing the offense to dictate the pace to you and a guy like Travis Kelsey, uh, I don't think you should do that. And here's the other thing about Travis Kelsey and this uh, his relationship with Patrick Mahomes. The one thing is you want to eliminate the big plays, right? You don't want to give him the explosive plays. If he's constantly catching three to four yard routes in front of you, fine. You can live with that. So you just run, rally, and tackle. And you have to go into the game knowing it's okay. Well, this is how the Kansas City Chiefs will try to attack you. They're going to try to lure you to sleep with some of those uh, zone routes where he sits right over the center and gives Patrick Mahomes an easy target. But then later on, they're going to run the same thing. You're going to try to bite, and they're going to try to convert it. That's the one thing about this offense that has changed this year than in years past. There's a lot of conversion on their routes, and they're trying to create a lot of space. So if you're linebackers, just know where your help is in the passing game and don't try to do too much. But the key is eliminating those explosive plays from Travis Kelsey down the field. Yeah, and, and look, he's going to get his, right? Um, he's one of those guys that is going to make plays in the game, and, and that's just reality. Uh, it's just, you know, can you keep him out of the end zone? Sort of like what the Bengals did. This last week, I think he had four receptions for 56 yards, which was was close to a season low. I think he had one game this year where he had like seven or eight receptions for only 25 yards. I, I want to say it was against the Colts, which was just a weird game. It's still shocking that the Colts beat this Chiefs team. But, uh, you know, th that's kind of what you have to do is, is you know, try and keep him out of the end zone. And, you know, and, and the Broncos have, I, I want to say, I think they have the, the number one red zone defense in the league right now. Uh, and so – that's something that could be their strength, right? If, if the if the Chiefs get down there, you know, keeping them to, to three points if, if they want to try and stay in this football game, obviously it's going to be key because who the hell knows if the offense is going to be able to score, you know, more than 10 points this week, uh, which they're going to need to if they want to beat the Chiefs. But well, you know uh, what, George, re really quickly, earlier you mentioned the Raiders game where Travis Kelsey scored four touchdowns, right? That's because when the Chiefs moved the ball down the field, Travis Kelsey wasn't an intricate part of the game plan, or or, or maybe they, they Patrick Mahomes wasn't able to get the ball to him. But here's what I do know. Inside the red zone, they're looking for him, right? He is that guy. And, 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 and I've, I've watched Travis Kelsey for a while, and the one thing that kind of frustrates me as a defensive guy is like, look, you have to know that they're going to try to get him the ball. Anytime he's off the ball or sometimes he's, he's spread out, but most, most of the time, George, is when he's in the core off the ball. Somehow he's going to try to insert, right, to either be a lead blocker or it's going to be some kind of shovel pass or they do a play where they set it up perfectly. Travis Kelsey's off the ball. He looks like he's going across the line of scrimmage, I mean, across the other side of the field, and he's in the backfield at the same time. He pivots out, and then there's a quick throw from Patrick Mahomes. 
So the Broncos, as a defensive unit, that is the one guy. You don't have Tyreek Hill anymore, but you have to know where Travis Kelsey is because, to me, he sets everything up for that Chiefs offense. Nick, you just mentioned a name that I was just about to bring up, Tyreek Hill. Obviously not playing in this game because he's now with the Miami Dolphins, but this Chiefs offense is still the best in the league. Nick, who are some of the other guys? Obviously, we, we just talked a lot about Travis Kelsey, and, and he is their go-to guy. But there's a lot of other guys on this offense uh, that have had really good years for them. Who are some other guys that you're you're like, they better key on on that guy? I, I know Mikel Hardman, it sounds like he might be back this week. Uh, I know they have a couple other guys. What, what are some of these other guys doing that, that's allowed them to continue to be at such a high level offensively, even though they don't have Tyreek Hill? Even though they don't have Tyreek Hill, they have uh, MVS who comes over from the Green Bay Packers. And you go back and watch the tape against the Cincinnati Bengals. They found ways to create opportunities for him in the vertical passing game. And, and that's kind of uh, the brilliance of Eric Bieniemy and the combination of Andy Reid because the route combination, how they set up uh, and attack your zone coverage. That's why I feel as though Azuro Evero has a run both man and zone. And the guys have to do a great job of disguising, not disguising because you're thinking, okay, well, we're going to somehow trick Patrick Mahomes. That's not what you're trying to do. The idea is trying to make him hold on to the ball because also, I mean, you have Juju Smith-Schuster as well. Now, he's not a burner. You don't have to worry about him running past you. But one thing he is, I mean, he is quick in short spaces, as we saw uh, last week. So if, if I'm a defender and I'm on the Broncos coaching staff, what I'm telling this team is, hey, look, guys, defensively, we're going to mix up our coverages. And understand this, this is not a team that's just going to run past you. These are not just world-class sprinters. They are a really crafty group of guys. But if we're running man or zone, we have to make sure that we talk. We're definitely hoping that maybe the crowd, based on how well the defenses play, they're going to bring that extra element. But the thing is you have to challenge these guys at the line of scrimmage. And if if, if Evero decides to run, uh, let's say, 60% of his plays out of zone coverage, the Broncos defense is going to be in trouble. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tall task, Nick. Uh, when you talk about the, the offenses that, that the Broncos have faced this year, this is by far the best one. And, I mean, it's the best one in the NFL. And so, it's it, I, again, I feel like we say this every week. It's going to be interesting to see how Jero Evero dials it up. I mean, is this a game where you try to bring extra pressure against Patrick Mahomes? I, again, I don't have the stats in front of me what he is under pressure. I would assume it's, it's – pretty good uh you know he's a guy that seems to be pretty good at, at at stepping up and making a big throw down the field uh obviously he's able to get out of the pocket that's another thing i wanted to ask you nick we've seen that the the edge guys and we talked about it in previous weeks they haven't been able to get after the quarterback this last week they they, they get a couple sacks against the ravens is this a is this a chief's offense that you try to get pressure on mahomes or is that something that you say we got to be careful with that because he can take off with his legs. Uh, he's also, again, like I said, you know, you get one too many guys going after him, all of a sudden somebody opens up down the field uh, and he makes a play with his with his legs and his arm. Man, I'm not a fan of this whole thing of don't pressure Patrick Mahomes because yeah. if he does, he's going to burn you. Basically, if you don't do that, you're playing right into the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs, right? The idea is that you want to bring pressure on the quarterback, but that doesn't necessarily mean, George, you have to bring second-level uh, 
uh, a blitzer, meaning that you bring in some guy, Alex Singleton, or you bring in Josie Jewell from that second level. You don't really have to do that. The idea is you, you want to use your edge rushers to be able to get after the quarterback. The Bengals were successful at doing that last week. How about this? They had 12, I mean, not 12, eight quarterback hits last week on Patrick Mahomes. The one thing you have to make, make sure is you maintain your rush lanes. No, he's not a Lamar Jackson, but if you get too wide in your rush lanes, you open up the middle of the field. And we saw that last week against the Bengals, him being able to escape and extend plays. But when you start to box him in and he can't step up in the pocket, that's when he starts to panic just a little. In Cincinnati, for the past three times that they played Patrick Mahomes, they've done a great job of doing that to him, even though he's still on the move, can fling the ball 60 yards. But the idea is we still don't want to give him those extra creases because now that's an extra player we have to defend. Yeah, it's tough, Nick. I, I do not envy Jero uh, Evero this week. Um, he's got, he's got again, uh, decide on, on bringing pressure, dropping back, zone coverage, man coverage. You know, do you key on on Travis Kelsey? Uh, you know, all these all these weapons, man. I mean, it's it's a tough task every single week. Uh, you've also got possibly Melvin Gordon. Uh, who knows if he'll be active this week? I don't think he was last week, uh, but I wonder if they bring him up just for this game. Uh, that would be one heck of a storyline. I know we talked about that a couple weeks ago when he signed there. So uh, definitely going to be interesting for this Broncos defense. Nick, we have yet to even talk about what everybody wants to talk about. Or I guess. I don't know if anybody wants to listen to it, uh, but this Broncos <laughs> offense, uh, right? Uh, let's get into that after this quick break and, and how maybe they can replicate some of the success that the Bengals had this last week scoring on this Chiefs defense and, and keeping pace with that offense. So uh, let, let's take a quick break and then we'll dive into that. Nick. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. Uh, and Nick, we, we just broke down the entire defense, how they're going to uh, hold the Chiefs scoreless on, on Sunday. Uh, and uh, now we got to see how can this Broncos offense put some points on the board. And... Uh, Obviously, that's been a tough task for the Broncos all year, uh, no matter who they're facing. Uh, this Chiefs defense, yeah, it's it's a it's a decent defense, right? Like they're they're not going to blow you away, um, you know, statistically at times. I don't think I, I haven't looked at the stats exactly, but 
they're they're a solid group. They've got some good players. Chris Jones, Nick Bolton is playing really well at linebacker for them. What do you see on this Chiefs defense that that stands out to you, and maybe where the Broncos can attack them? Well, the one thing that I, I saw uh, last week and uh, in the game against the Cincinnati Bengals, which was extraordinary, you had backup running backs Marjorie P. Ryan in for Joe Mixon, and man, he was a downhill runner. Even with the outside toss, I mean, this dude was looking to run into another guy defensively. He, he's what I call the collision back because those types of guys, they're looking for contact. And he was able to run through one guy, two guys. Just kind of re- reminded me of what Javante Williams was early on in the season. So with that being said, it gave me a little optimism that maybe Latavius Murray can be that guy. Maybe Marlon Mack, maybe even Mike Boone can be that guy if the team decides to put them in those types of situations. Because against this, this, against, uh, this Kansas City Chiefs defense, they're going to come after the quarterback. And what Joe Burrow did is something that I would love to see from Russell Wilson this week is he's going to have to climb the pocket. And the pressure was coming outside, but what the Chiefs pass rushers were doing, they they were running too wide, and they were creating somewhat of a crease where the quarterback can actually step up and throw the ball. And there was a couple of times Joe Burrow actually took off and ran the ball as well. So Russell is going to have to do that. To say that he's not going to be harassed uh, under pressure, to me, I would love to say that, but that's not going to happen. That pressure is going to come. So he's going to have to step up in the pocket. But the idea, that offensive line will have to open up holes and be a little aggressive, probably more so than they were uh, any time this season. But if they do, I mean, Latavius Murray in the backs for the Broncos should have some good games. Yeah, you know, when you talked about Samaj P. Ryan, which shout out Oklahoma guy, uh, great player uh, at Oklahoma. I remember watching him play in college, but uh, is, and out watching that game last week, my immediate thought was, man, if the Broncos had Javante Williams, um, you know, they, they would have a really good shot, you know, being able to move the ball uh, consistently against this Chiefs defense because we've seen them give up some, some big rushing games this season. I mean, last week, they gave up a career day to Shamaj P. Ryan, 100, 106 yards on the ground, uh, 21 carries. I, I believe he also – did he catch a touchdown pass last week? Uh, no, he no, did not. He, never mind. He I did not. He did. Uh, I think that was the previous week. He had like three touchdown catches out of the out of the backfield. But anyways, I think you're right, Nick. Can, can you get Latavius Murray going? Uh, we've seen him be kind of a downhill guy, physical running back. I mean, he's a big guy. Uh, I wonder if, if he can be – sort of a workhorse, uh, especially when things maybe aren't going well offensively, which seems to be uh, most often with this team. But, uh, you know, you are going to have situations, like you said, where Russell Wilson is going to be in the pocket. He's going to have to step up and make some plays down the field and and either use his legs or or hit Jerry Judy down the field, whatever it may be, because that's exactly what this Chiefs defense is built on. They bring the house. They bring a lot of pressure. They've got some really good edge players. Right. So the the rookie from Purdue, I believe he's having a really good season for them. His name is slipping my mind right now. Uh, But Chris Jones, obviously, is is another guy that's played really well for him. They bring Nick Bolton on some different blitzes. So it's going to be really tough uh, for this offensive line. And we've seen them break down quite a bit this year. So it's it's a really tough task. But I think that's going to be the key is can you protect Russell Wilson for just even just, uh, you know, half a second longer. Right. Let him uh, make a make a play down the field. And then, Nick, here's the other big part. 
these young wide receivers, these guys uh, that haven't really played a ton of football, they got to step up and make some plays. And uh, you're talking about Jalen Virgil's got to get open down the field. You know, Brandon Johnson, uh, Montreal Washington, who's really had a tough couple weeks. You know, they're going to have to make some plays because sounds like Cortland Sutton's not going to be able to play. Uh, Jerry Judy, I would expect to probably still be limited, maybe on a snap count again this week. So you're talking about some some really inexperienced guys going up against the Kansas City Chiefs in, in really the biggest game of the year. I know, again, the season's pretty much lost at this point. But, I mean, if you beat the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you know, who, which no one's done here and, you know, since November of 2015, I believe, uh, you know, that's a big deal. So, uh, you know, I think that that's the kind of things I look at is can you run the ball a little bit and can those those young wide receivers make some big plays? Because they're going to have to have some some big plays in the passing game. Well, in order for the Broncos to have big plays in the passing game, that's going to start with protection. And the guy that you were talking about with George Karloftis, and he, his guy's long. He has a high uh, motor. So once again, I mean, it, it's going to be a tough outing for both Calvin Anderson and Cam Fleming. If those guys can give Russell some time on the edge, now you'll be able to find those wide receivers. Now you talked about that young group of wide receivers and what they're going to be required to do if the Broncos are going to be successful in the passing game. My only caveat to that, or my my, my only thing that I can I, I can add to that is you have to use those guys. Right. I mean, I, I know yeah, you want those guys and you say, well, hey, they have to be great as pass catching wide receivers. But hell, George, if you don't really use them, how can they really be effective just because they're out there on the field? I mean, I mean, if you're not putting them in situations to be successful, and what I mean by that is running complementary routes. We, we know that this is a young group of wide receivers and Russ is still building his com- uh, communication and consistency and cohesion with those guys. So set both the quarterback and these wide receivers up for success. And the way you do that is by doing one simple thing, George. Do you have any idea what that is? I don't. I do not, Nick. I do not know. Okay. It's real simple. It's called communication. Sitting down with those guys in the room and saying, hey, listen, what kind of routes do you like? Right? And then you talk to Russ. Russ, do you like these routes? Because why as a coach come up with the scheme to try to – deploy and your wide receiver and your quarterback are not on the same page, right? Ask them, what is it that you like, right? And that's not to say that you're going to give them every single thing because as a coach, you have some things that you want to do as well. But the idea is putting them in position to be successful because coaches coach, players play. And it's about this team having playmakers and knowing right now, you really don't have a lot of those guys you got to accentuate what you have. And if they're able to do that, because Joe Barrow and the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, man, they were going quick passes. They were not allowing this uh, pressure from the from the Kansas City Chiefs to actually get there. When you look at the numbers, Joe Burrow was only sacked one time. One time. And when you look at quarterbacks, quarterback hits, one quarterback hit. So for me, for a Cincinnati Bengals offensive line that was terrible, uh, a year ago, they've gotten so much better in protecting the quarterback. And even though I know it was a close win, the Bengals only won by three points. But once again, they beat the Kansas City Chiefs three times in a row. That's something the Broncos haven't done since, like you said, since 2015. Yeah. And it, look, like I still don't think the Bengals' offensive line is very good. 
it, they just schematically were smart, right? Like, like you said, it was a lot of short passes, getting the ball out quick. Like that's what the Broncos are going to have to do. Like I, I think of like the the Jerry Judy slant, right? Like getting him the ball quick, let him go make a play uh, out in space. You know, get these guys, uh, you know, the ball quickly. You know, Greg Dulcich, you know, have him go. You, you don't need him running, you know, thirty yards down the field uh, necessarily. Like let him go five yards and sit and get open. Uh, and he's another guy that I think that could maybe have a big game, right? Like I think that he could find some spots uh, where he, where he gets down the field and makes some plays. So it's going to be interesting to see the one guy, Nick, I wanted to ask you about is Jerry Judy, because when he has been on the field this year and when he's been healthy, he's been really good. Uh, and I wonder if this could be sort of a breakout game for him. You saw Jamar chase this last week. I think it was seven receptions for 97 yards against the chiefs. And obviously Jamar chase, is considered, you know, top five guy in the league at his position. But do you think that you can find similar success success with Jerry? Or is it a situation where, you know, the Bengals have a lot of a lot of guys, a lot of talent at that position. So it's hard to key in on one guy. I mean, could the Chiefs, I guess, try to take away Jerry and and, you know, again, maybe double coverage him or whatever it is and and force the ball to some of those younger guys. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's gonna be the case. If I'm playing against the Denver Broncos, and I know that they are kind of uh, short of talent, and the talented players right now would be Jerry Judy and Greg Dosage. I want to try to find a way to eliminate those guys and take them out of the game plan. But this is where Greg Dosage and his usage can actually come into play to really open up everything on that offense. I mean, the, the Chiefs are not stupid. They've watched tape all, all year long, and they've seen Greg Dosage come up uh, with a lot of these uh, vertical pe- great plays in the vertical passing game. So they're going to try to take it away. So when they try to do that, say, okay, well, why don't we use George as a decoy? First set it up, run a couple of short plays a la Travis Kelsey, and then run conversions off of those plays. And when you do that, you're going to draw the attention of the linebackers. You're going to get those guys to back up. When you do that, you can run the short crosses. You can run the the shallow routes. You can run the return routes. And then now you start attacking them with, with levels. So even though this offense is kind of, uh, they don't have as many weapons as they had at the very beginning of the season, that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have guys who are very talented. Once again, it goes back to utilizing those guys and putting them in certain situations. And oh, by the way, if, if I am the Broncos offensive coordinators or anyone on offense, there's nothing wrong with looking at some of the plays that Kansas City runs themselves and just giving them a taste of their own medicine because they're not expecting these this group of wide receivers to come out and just kind of you know take the top off the defense. They're not they're not looking for that, George. So this is an opportunity for the Broncos to actually pick up a lot of yards. Not saying that you're getting 30, uh, two 30 yard plays on a single drive. No, but you can kind of build and stack those yards by throwing those short, quick passes. Yeah, again, going to be interesting to see how they attack it um, offensively because, again, they, they've struggled all year against everybody scoring points. So it, they're going to have to score some this week. Nick, before we get out of here, I want I want to play a quick game with you. And uh, obviously the, the Chiefs, they haven't beaten the Chiefs in a long time, uh, 13 games to be exact. I mentioned it earlier. And uh, I believe it's the longest streak in the NFL. Um, if the Broncos are to pull off this upset, which would obviously be – a massive upset. I mean, you talk about some of the bad teams that Broncos have had in the past. They weren't able to able to beat the Chiefs. If this team were to be beat the Chiefs, it'd be a pretty big deal. 
let me ask you this. If the Broncos beat the Chiefs on Sunday, it's because fill in the blank. What what happens in this game that allows the Broncos to maybe win this one? They won a turnover battle, right? Sim- simply put. Because if you win a turnover battle, that means you have eliminated the number of explosive plays from Kansas City. Also, that means as though you've kind of kept them out of the end zone as well. And you've had impact plays that the defense either scored on those plays or they set the offense up perfectly for them to get somewhat of an easy score. And I know Justin Simmons had two turnovers last week against the Baltimore Ravens that should have set the offense up perfectly and the offense didn't come through. To me, you got to change, have a different outcome. You got to, you have to turn the page. This has to be a game. If your defense are able to create turnovers, you have to turn them into points because we know Kansas City is capable of scoring points. So for me, is going to be winning the turnover battle. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big one. I mean, if you can get, and I, I would, I would, I would argue not only win the turnover battle, you have to win it by like two or three, right? Like you have to have like three fumbles or you know, two interceptions, a fumble, whatever, you know. Uh, and and my mine is you need either a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown, because uh, I think that this offense is just not going to be able to put it in the end zone that much. Maybe they can a couple times. That's probably still not enough, um, and that would be you know uh, exceeding expectations if they were to score two touchdowns in a game. Um, but you know, I think that that's what needs to happen. They need to have some sort of you know a pick six, you know, from Sertan or a scoop and score, or Montreal Washington has a breakout game right and, and returns a kick for a touchdown. Like, how big would that be in terms of uh, momentum and just the, the, the game itself? So, I, I think that. That that's what needs to happen. There needs to be a touchdown that's not offensive for the Broncos to pull this one off, which is possible. Anything happens in the NFL, right, Nick? Any given Sunday, right? Uh, as as they always say. But Nick, let's uh, let's give quick score predictions and let's get out of here. <laughs> give, me, give me a score, Nick. Come on. G- give you a give you a score. Okay. Now, my 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 heart is saying one thing. But but reality is saying uh, something else. So I'll give you what the reality. So I'm going to say maybe 21 points for Kansas City, maybe I don't know 17 for the Broncos. Either way, is a Kansas City win. I'm hoping that I'm wrong and the defense can really hold Kansas City like they did. Uh, I mean, a couple of years ago in that Monday Night Football game. So if they can do that and we get great play from Baron Browning and Jonathan Cooper like they did last week. Maybe the Broncos still win, but right now I'm going with Kansas City. Yeah, I, I think it's close in the first half, Nick. I, I think you could see a scenario where it's like tied at halftime. I think the Broncos get some stops early in terms of keeping the Chiefs to, to field goals and not touchdowns. Um, and then I think the Chiefs run away with it in the second half. I, I think it's like a 27-13 type of game. I just don't think the Broncos offense, Nick, can keep up. Uh, I mean, they have it all year, right? I mean, they've they've had, what, five games of scoring 10 or less points. I mean, they're scoring only 13.8 points a game. Uh, and obviously, Chiefs are, are towards it. I, I want to say they're, they're number one in the league in scoring offense. So that's the biggest concern. I, I don't know if, if, if the defense can hold up for that long. I think they keep them in the game for a bit. Uh, and then the Chiefs pull away 27-13. So uh, w- that, would be, that would be a bummer, Nick. But maybe we'll be sitting here. Uh, on Sunday night or, or Monday morning, whenever we record the post game pod, and uh, we're talking about one of the biggest upsets in recent franchise history. Could happen. Never know. 
right? Um, it'll be interesting to see. <laughs> you gave me a look there like, mm, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, well, you, look, let's be totally honest, right? Even you don't don't really think that, right? No. It sounds crazy, but but like you said, the Broncos haven't scored over 10 points like uh, consistently. So they haven't give, given us much to uh, actually root for and cheer for. So if they're able to do it, hey, it's great, but we're not expecting the Broncos to come away uh, with a win. Right. Well, not, you know, I, I wrote this week, Nick, I wrote yesterday in my story, uh, if they are able to win, maybe all is forgiven of, of Russell and, and this team and the offense. And maybe, maybe it even saves Nathaniel Hackett's job. I, 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 I highly doubt it. Uh, but if they were able to go out there and put up a 30 point performance on Sunday, yeah, maybe, maybe people change their mind. I don't know, but, uh, going to be interesting for sure. Uh, thanks for everybody listening to the podcast. Make sure you guys like subscribe, uh, and we will see you guys again later this week reacting to the Broncos and Chiefs game on Sunday.